coming around alcoholics Anonymous for a long time, and I've just never been able to stay stopped. And uh, it took a look, big turn of events to get me here and to stay stopped, and I surrendered, and uh, you know, I, 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 I became part of something, and that was something good, and that's AA. Thanks for me, sure. Uh, All right. I am an auctioneer. <laughs> Buy something. Fifty-one, fifty-two, so you must stick around. All right, thanks for letting me be of service with that. We have a phone list uh, sitting over here on this front table by Tina. If you need to take a phone list, call people when you start getting crazy. It's a, fan, it's a wonderful thing to have. Um, and then we also have literature tonight with Rachel. everybody my name is Rachel I'm an alcoholic Hi, Rachel. we do have literature at this meeting um, I'm over here to your left um, I have softbound literature free for the taking big book and 12 and 12 for sale at club cost if you can't afford one please come see me um, and I'll be happy to help thank you for letting me be of service Okay. Here we get off that easy. <laughs> okay, we got a 10-minute speaker now. My name's Rick. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, I'm going to welcome any uh, buddy new or fairly new to Alcoholics Anonymous, and I want to wish the uh, birthday people happy birthday. Was it Steve? Happy birthday, Steve. Keep coming back. It does take what it takes. Thank God this is not a contest. And happy birthday, Don. Uh, wow, that Don is uh, is my sponsor. Uh, he's been walking with me for over 25 years. Uh, lucky enough in this program, when God sobered me up to have these men in my life, uh, I've had a few sponsors. Uh, one of them passed, the other drank again, and uh, Don is my third sponsor. And they've all, in my opinion, been the the best people that could be put in my life because they're AA people. They, they don't talk it, they walk it. Uh, thanks for having us over, Les. This is a great meeting. Food, ballroom lamps, music. It's just like an old saloon. I was a saloon drinker. Uh, 
But I love being sober today. Uh, it's because of these people who taught me what to do and said, and said do it every day, just like you drank. And, uh, you know, I missed this chapter three because that's my favorite chapter because that's uh, my identification to Alcoholics Anonymous going through it, having to go through what it takes, you know. And uh, then it, it does get worse. And it got worse for me. And then it got real bad. And I don't ever want to forget where uh, King Alcohol took me. And I ended up in a place called the Mighty Salvation Army. I call it the Mighty. It's the best rehab there is out in Pasadena. That's where I ran into old Les. He gave me a job. He used to come out. It was real hot and sunny out there. He used to come out with a blue book called the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> it was in big print. <laughs> he used to say, you got to read this and uh, get yourself armed with facts so you won't drink again. And with my experience, I really couldn't. I didn't have another drink in me. You know? Somebody mentioned grace uh, earlier, and that's what happened to me at the Salvation Army. I got struck with some grace. Little bit of clarity, little bit of clarity. And that little voice inside said, now, now, because I, I came to Alcoholics Anonymous for over 10 years, and it couldn't, I couldn't grasp it. You know, I had a God, uh, God problem. And if anybody here has got a God problem, you got a God problem. <laughs> if anybody here is having trouble staying sober, it's because you're having trouble staying sober. That's that. Thank God this is not a contest. They said they told me that I had to get to a place where it's all or nothing, where it means everything. And until it's everything, it's nothing. And I said, oh, that order's too tall. Just like the readings. What an order. But something happened to me at the Salvation Army. And I'm here to share that it wasn't me. Something happened to me. And I was able to have a little bit of clarity. And finally, finally, follow this direction these people gave me. And uh, very, very active people in Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, and I just followed right along. You know, last year I took a, a chip here for uh, 32 years. Next month it'll be 33 years. And uh, for over 10 years. You know, I could not grasp this. I could not stay in that seat. So I understand what it's like, you know, that it's not a contest. But I also understand the other side of the coin, that there's nothing like staying sober, man. Nothing like it, you know. And I'll take it any way you dish it out. And I'm forever grateful to these people, these champions, you know, these men. Giving somebody a cake that's connected to me that's pretty good grace. That's a pretty good connection. And coming around these, these meetings with all these champions, woo, <laughs> it don't get too much better than that. They may, that may not happen again. Uh, so I'm really grateful for it. And I don't know if it's been 10 minutes, but uh, it's been a real blessing. Thanks again, Don. He's going to speak for us tonight. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Right, Rick. Is it with, with a 10-minute break? No. Oh, the speaker. Don, you're up. <laughs> you're up. <right. laughs> you're still getting them up. Don, you're up to yap. <laughs> 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 Their turn. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Hi, my name's Don. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Hi, Don. Thanks. It's an honor to speak before this group. And uh, you receive your chip. It's in my pocket somewhere here. You'll see by the time. Oh, it's really an honor to have my two boys. It doesn't get better than that to get the chip. It's worth the 53 years of misery I had before. Don't I? So I'll tell you. Uh, I'm an alcoholic. Uh, it seems now, unpacking it, it seems like, well, it's always seemed that way, like like I was born an alcoholic. I, uh, about the only time I really felt like drinking is when I think about my mom putting whiskey on my gums. You know, I can't, I can't remember nothing from when I was two or whatever you get your teeth, but I can still feel the feeling that whiskey on my gums give me. <clears throat> so there's something weird about that, I think, you know. Uh, I know on the west side, Clancy used to like to say that alcohol does something special for us that it may not do for the regular person. You know, and I, I resisted, you know, when I got sober in 1970, it was Clancy this and Clancy that. Of course, I got sober in Temple City. So fortunately, I wasn't on the west side, so all I got was information about Clancy. And uh, I didn't like what I heard because it was kind of top down instead of, you know, we were, like Rick was sharing with you, we were, you know, back and forth. But I went over to Alhambra, remember that meeting, the Alhambra, Rick? And, and uh, I sat out late because I was working at night. I'm, I'm kind of late anyway, but. I had an excuse that night, and uh, it was about 50 years ago. And the guy started talking, and I told the guy next to me, that guy knows about alcoholism, you know? So that's why people talk about him. He does know something. And we all do. We all have our own story, you know? So I, I'll tell you what, if don't, you know, I don't have any special recipe. I know what I did. But I've been around long enough that I don't expect you to do it like I did it. Because watching the passing parade they used to ask you to do, everybody does it the same, but a little bit different. You know, so I respect all of you in the way that you may have done it. Or tried to do it. It doesn't matter, you know, that we're all here trying to be sober. And sober right this minute, I... I learned a few things over the years. So here's what I'm going to do. I, I do Zoom meetings now. So there used to be a guy named Cowboy Carl. Anybody ever hear Cowboy yes. Carl? Okay, he used to come to speak. He used to speak all over. And he used to bring a big bag of uh, stuff the waitress gave him. Or he'd pull it out and then talk about it. So I have a medicine bag with some of the good stuff that... Uh, I learned Alcoholics Anonymous or tried or whatever. So I'm going to try to pull things out of the medicine bag and give them to you as tips. Because uh, I, I, <clears throat> this last year, I've been doing last three years a lot of Zoom meetings. And really, I've always been very uh, go here and there. And I've been pretty, pretty much of a whole person 
It's really been nice for my relationship with my wife. She goes, geez, I didn't even, <coughs> now I know you're here. So, uh, not that she did it before, but she knows me in a different way. So, uh, and <coughs> I was joking. I was telling Rick on the way over here. I was joking about uh, when they had the international convention, which they didn't have to to finish waking up, I always felt like, you know, it don't seem like you need to be all the way awake to stay sober. You gotta just be like half asleep in frog pajamas. Rick's saying something happened to me. I don't know what it was, but I've been sober ever since. Boy, I know a lot of people at AA that's like that for them. They don't, they don't, a lot of people, when they got it, they know what it was, because they did step six or seven and they had a big impact or four or two. 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 I like two myself, because that, that's what happened to me. I uh, I was on a bender, and uh, I came home in the morning, and uh, I had those two boys and another guy, and uh, my wife threw the wedding ring, and she never had it off. So I knew she meant business. So, yeah. This is better for you. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. Can you hear okay? I kind of have a loud there, there voice. You there you go. So, I, I, uh, speak into the mic. I, went in, I went in a bathroom and I had to go take this crab course to sell stocks. So, I went in the bathroom and I put this kind of charcoal suit on. In those days, you had to wear a suit and uh, to go to work. And uh, I looked in the mirror and I, I was, I'm real jolly now. And I was jolly then, I look about the same. I got better in between. But uh, and the suit had dandruff. It was kind of disgusting for a 28 year old, you know, that was supposed to be hip, slick and cool. So I, uh, I went in the bedroom. This was the big deal. This was step one for me. And I uh, started taking oath on those three boys that I'd never take another drink. And as soon as I got that, I'll never take another drink out of my mouth, I uh, raced it. Like, and I, you know how when you've been on a real drunk, your head's all hot? I raced it like, no, 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 no. I'll quit drinking. So when I changed it from I'll never take another drink till I quit drinking, I, it just came over me. You did it because you can't stop. I just do it in my shoes that I couldn't stop. I uh, had drank every day only for about 12 years, but I had that thing that alcoholics have. I'll take that out of my medicine bag. That thing that alcoholics have, you drink when you're drunk, you drink when you're getting drunk, you drink when you're just perfect. You don't need another sip and you'll have five more. You know, I had that. I never had control when I did it. You know, I drank every day, so obviously I didn't do that every day. I don't know what, but I don't understand alcoholism. I've been here all this time. But I understand that, and once that happens to you, that happened to me at birth, you could never safely drink again. But I know it happens to some people after they drank so long, so that's kind of interesting also. So I never did any drugs, except once, with their mom, ask her girlfriend out this bar in this town, Glendora. 
uh, their mom had this cousin that had this band, the Wee Five. No, I don't think it was that, but it was some other band. And I had a headache, and the gal gave me some uh, codeine. And boy, I had those those two girl singers. I had them out there dancing, and the mom walked down the highway. I had to go retrieve her, you know. <laughs> Did that that one by well, one by last retrieval, but uh, so I uh, I could I did that step one, so I went to the the thing, the stockbrokers deal, and uh, I came back and she had my bags packed out in the sidewalk in front of the house, we had a little walkway, and uh, gee, I owned two houses at the time. I thought I was doing pretty good, but I was drinking up all the extra money. And her dad had bought her this old station wagon, a Chevy. And I put the old bags in there. I got behind the wheel. I got real scared. I got like afraid. I got afraid that I was going to end up like some of these real old guys I knew in the bars that were like 36 and cried in their scotch. You know. I'm 81 now. Uh, yeah, I thought, oh, I'm going to end up like that. Some old guy crying in his scotch. <clears throat> so I just went, you know, I've been listening to these Alkies, you know, for years. There's one thing a lot of us have in common. They, we had this prayer, goes, help! But that's it, no other words, just help. And uh, the car, I tried to unpack it the last couple years. The car actually went to the 9416 AA Club because it, it parked itself right across the street at Dotson Driving School, right in front. <laughs> and, and I wonder whether it went there because I looked at the AA Club and I went, bullshit, I ain't going there because I had no intention of going there. So I drove to this market called the Grab and Run Market. I used to be able to supply you with beer and cigarettes. But I didn't buy beer, I bought cigarettes. I smoked a couple, and my thinking was acute. Said, well, if you prayed and your car went there, maybe you should go there, back to there. So looking back now, that was my third step. I made a decision to go back for my prayer. And uh, so I did. And then we're just starting up the question and answer meeting. You know, when you write them and put them in a basket. They later, I think, changed it to question and opinion because I gave my opinion on those questions for 10 years and never wrote a question. I wasn't like bashful Alki that didn't know nothing. I thought I knew everything still. <coughs> Actually, I did know stuff, which was weird. Stuff I shouldn't have known I knew when they do it. And I never really understood that, but <laughs> you follow some of this spiritual stuff. I don't know if I believe it or not. They call that, you have knowings, you know. And it was real obvious. I knew stuff about stuff I shouldn't have known. So I'd be this old first grade teacher would answer all the questions, and I'd get mad at him for answering all <laughs> And I was answering all the rest. But that was real good. That, that club was vibrant in 1970, just vibrant. It was, you took your, really, you were more taking society's inventory in those days. 
you weren't trying to fit in. You were finding out why the society was so sick. And then you would talk about it and uh, make some adjustments to have to live in such a sick society. Well, I guess all that don't matter, you know. It's the stuff Rick talked about. You know, something happens to you doing this stuff, you know. And I'll dare you, if you're new here, I'll dare you to come to these meetings with an open mind and not do all this stuff. You come here, sit here day after day, you're going to do it. I mean, I know people try to give you nudges and all that, but, you know, whatever. So, oh, I'll tell you what they taught me a lot. I haven't wanted to drink since then, by the way. Something happened to me, I don't know. So I'll give you a few more of my opinions about it. I'll give you a little bit as Don sees it as Bill thought he saw it. I'm reaching my medicine bag, and everybody, everybody concurred on this. The first drink gets you drunk. Once you turn into an alcoholic, you can't drink successfully, and you can't drink that first one. You know, that, that was pretty unanimous. Once you turn into a pickle, you can't go back as a cucumber, they used to like to say. <laughs> I may think of something later, because that's about all I can think of. Well, I, better, I better think of something, or I might, you know. Anyways, so, uh, I uh, just, I've been trying this year. I, I was joking with Rick. I start joking, because I like to tell jokes. I know that um, Zoom, I got way too serious because you get no feedback on Zoom. You can't tell if everybody's laughing or you just did a dud like I already done a dud here. I knew, I know it was a dud, so I don't push it. Once I do a dud, I try to find something that's funny. So uh, uh, I was kidding around that, you know, our esteemed leader in 59 was so Bill, after he had the white light experience, he was so wanting with all his heart to help alcoholics that he was giving these guys uh, LSD in Detroit. My friend up at Mammoth has the doctor's log from all the guys they were working with. And then when it became illegal, they, they stopped. And uh, But Bill tried some. You know, they tried to, the guys that were his guys, they couldn't, what are they going to do with this guy? The leader of AA drops his acid. But in those days, he was really doing it. I think he wanted to, he knew he wasn't fully awake spiritually, and there may be that component to it. And I learned when I came in in 70, we had all these acid heads. I never tried it. So I used to interview them. <coughs> and the, <coughs> the guys that just wanted to get high, they got high, and if they, if they, had a little something going on psychologically. They had bad trips, but the people that wanted to open themselves up spiritually, it, it did that for them. That did last. So they come to the program of AA, and uh, I was joking around, well, I'm gonna try some after I get my 50 years. They can't take my old guy's chip away, so. But, but then this guy I've been working with, he didn't get sober till he's, 70, he's got three years now. He took me to an NA meeting in the park, and they don't give you time, they just give you a right now chip. So Rick saw it on my way up here. It's getting old now, it's been three years. 
I got the N.A. right now, Chip, and I, I got out of the acid business. And, uh, I, I went into the waking up business on the Internet at night with the COVID. I, I started going to guys in India and so forth, you know, to get little tricks to take your inventory. They call it, uh, what was that one guy called it? He calls it self... Uh, I don't know. I, I'm having a harder time coming with names at 81. It's really freaking me out. I, I, I could, I'm thinking really good. I even do Uber Eats and get uh, tricky addresses, but I can't come up with names that I know. Just shit that I know for sure. And then I can't come up with it right away, so I don't come up with it, whatever. It's not selfish. Self, I don't know. But anyway, the way they do it there is to see that you're that spirit that you were born with and that my, my unraveling now is an alcoholism. Like Clancy said, it does something special for us. So you take that initial drink when you first start. And for me, it seemed like the magic elixir. Man, I felt better on Wednesdays. I even drink on Wednesdays when I was in high school because I knew I was going to drink on the weekend. I just, what I think now is, you know how in the big book, the third step prayer says, you know, the bondage of self. I think that the ego self is not the true self, that that spirit underneath it is, but we cover up that self with all this bullshit. Not bad stuff necessarily. That's what I didn't know before. Good stuff too. That if you meditate, you go into that area the peace be all under, beyond all understanding, and you come back out of it. Say, you're not, you don't have to be there that long because there's no time in there. So if you're just in there two minutes, it don't matter. So you come back out of it, and then you've got a theory about it, and you tell yourself something, and your ego captures the experience. And you really can't go back there unless you let that go again. It's a, you know, it's like a job. So, I don't relish jobs. I'm a, I'm a good alcoholic. I never was too big on working. There's got to be some better way to, to live. But I always worked, but I never liked it anyway. So, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. So, anyway, so, uh, but that's worth it. That's a, I'd rather be free as an alcoholic than anything. I'd rather be free than good. I'd rather be free. There's something, I don't know, that I, I like about being free. And I think that uh, the program, that's why it's a spiritual program that works on alcoholism, because the spirit is free. Now, the, the only tricky part, of, I got there right away. I was just thrown into that. I honeymooned for about eight or nine years. But the only tricky part, I didn't have a a strict sponsor like Rick sponsors me now. I don't get away with nothing. But uh, my sponsor died. I had him for 41 years and he died, but he never told me nothing. He never said an unkind word to me. And he was a control freak at the meetings. But, you know, he set up these meetings for 20 years, but he was very kind to me. So anyway, it's not like Rick tells me sometimes. I could tell by his expression. He don't say nothing, but I could see when I say something, he don't approve on his face, you know. So, but anyway, where I put, oh, 
I never know where I am. See, I kind of ADD. Yeah, that's why I do the medicine bag, because I can skip around. It looks like I'm trying to skip around, not just can't stay in a straight line. So, anyways, this, uh, this program, a spiritual program to recover from alcoholism, that's why Wilson was given that LSD to the Winos, because you have to knock out that self. You have to knock it out. And it just isn't character defects. The whole thing is one big character defects. But then you got to appreciate it too. Am I willing to knock out the part of myself that uh, loves my kids? Hell no. It's worth it to be in pain to keep some of this stuff. But to know that, that, that uh, it, it's all abstractions, you know, that we've saved up all our life from as kids is good to know that you don't have to take things as seriously you could be my wife says i'm really getting mellow and i've never been known for mellow until the last couple years so must be something to it so but you know sometimes you know you just tell yourself that had it something happened today i'll give you an example so the tire light came out on this, uh, the cars are kind of getting 170,000 miles, you know. I, I sober, there's a guy, Sandy Matt, he said once at, at lunch, he says, or dinner, or whatever, coffee. He, he had about the time I do, he says, he was going to New Mexico, he says, I sobered up all my money. I like that, I sobered up, I did too, I sobered up my money. Sure better drinking it up, and it takes way longer and you could, be more judicious with what you're sobering up on. But anyways, so, uh, oh, today, thank you, this morning. So she's going to go buy baby clothes with her friend there at the Nap Ranch. I live at this place called the Nap Ranch. That's Rancho La Siesta where all these old people never come out. So, <laughs> she take this one lady to get baby clothes because her great-granddaughter had the baby, is having the baby. So, we kind of went back and forth. I got this Ranger truck and a Kia Soul. So the Ranger truck is, all of a sudden, since the rain, the front end's making noise. But I said, that won't hurt, I'll take it. But I kind of wanted to do uh, Uber Eats with the Soul. But she wanted it, so I said, well, you just take it, honey. But the, the tire light came out. I said, don't you worry about it. I was going to do it today. It's not going to do nothing. It's done it before. I'll do it in the morning, right? So she calls me up and says, all happy. Oh, I, I uh, went to the tire place, and I gave the guy five bucks, and he put a little air in all the tires. And I says, oh, I was going to do that tomorrow. But, you know, with no self, there's nothing to have... You know, you usurp me feelings about it. I started to have that and I thought, what, are you trying to get rid of self? Now, what a perfect time to let go of self. Who cares? If you don't have no self, you don't care. You felt like that kind of funny, but just a feeling. So that's just a little tiny example, of course. But uh, so anyways, I don't have nothing in this medicine bag. I thought I had virtual medicine bag. It's totally empty. You know, 
I can't help you. You know, you're going to have to stay sober on your own. <laughs> That's about the bottom line. When you really get to the bottom line, you stay sober on your own. You know, that's why the higher power, you know, I used to, you know, I thought I did it wrong when I first started inventory. You get down, you take your inventory down to the base thing. And I used to joke when I was doing sober, well, geez, you find the big nothing. And then I got became a Buddhist. I thought that's what you're supposed to find. Nothing. That's exactly what's supposed to be in there. Nothing. So I found nothing. So, but it's a nothing with a little juice. You know, it's a juice nothing. So uh, it's kind of like there's something in there that we can't understand. You know, and uh, you know, you get that. You get the goosebump therapy at AA. Somebody says a pair. This lady taught me. 40 years ago that the power, and any time I heard the word power, I always kind of perked up because they told me that's what I lacked there at AA. So then she told me that the power was at the point of the paradox. So that's those goosebump deals when the, the opposites become true at one time. And it happens all the time here. It happens at AA all the time. I think that uh, being a program of surrender that uh, at different times we're forced by circumstance or whatever to let go of our logical thinking and our psychological tips and all that and just let go of self all, all together. And uh, those are the times where sometimes I experience enough power out of that and the paradoxes to carry on happily for maybe another month or two till the shit hits the fan again. And then, uh, oh, you know, people do a good job of explaining all the logical things that reasons for stuff, but I'm just about giving up. I, I'm just happy with the, with the results and the un unlogical and the beautiful feelings and the beautiful people like greeted us here tonight for no particular reason, just came up to us and you could tell they were 100% sincere, happy to see you, they'd never seen you, they don't care, they just, they're trying to save their ass and they're happy that you're coming up to try to help them, but even though you really can't help them, they're still happy. <laughs> so that guy, the first guy that sponsored me into AA, and then he died on me right away, so I, I didn't appoint him as a sponsor until he was dead, when people were bugging you for sponsorship. I, they didn't bug you much in the 1970s. They wasn't like today. I just said, well, Porky was my sponsor. Supposedly, Bill Wilson stayed with him when he came here once. And he said to, he said this to me. He said, first thing he says, don't pay any attention to any of the speakers. They're all full of shit. So <laughs> I thought, well, that's why I'm comfortable speaking. I don't have to be, well, I'm truthful, but I can still be full of shit, by the way. He says, uh, the people aren't the program. It's in the book. But he was Audrey on people. We had some wonderful people there. He was full of shit on that one. We had some awesome people. And then he says, uh, well, he just said all kinds of negative stuff, you know, with a twinkle in my eye. But I was a bar drinker. 
You know, I, I remember once I took the kids to church and these real sweet ladies come up to you. I would just get cringy and feel like running like hell. But when he told me all those negative things with a twinkle, I thought it was spiritual. But I was new because I, I could hear I could I could hear negativity. I couldn't do positivity yet. It took me a long time. I don't know if I could still do it, as you could tell by my pitch, but I could do a little. So that's about it. I just love you. I wish you all the very best, which tonight we got the very best. So who knows, you know? And if we don't get the very best, I know that with the help of the program and good guys like this, that thank you for inviting me up, that just year after year he sets up meetings. He's like my sponsor. I'm not like that. I'm not that good of, Rick calls them good members. I like, I, I use that term now, good members, you know. And I, I'll tell you another term that I like. I heard this lady down in program use this term, toxic mimic. I think alcohol is the toxic mimic of spirituality. You know? I really do. So with that, I'll leave you. All right. Birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Don. I'm less alcoholic. Let's give Don and Rick a hand for a great meeting. And we want to thank everybody that brought the good food and for Fernando for cooking tonight. We need a lot of help uh, helping cleaning up after the meeting, so give us a hand. And we really appreciate everybody that comes here every week and brings us food and stuff and helps us clean up. And uh, I'm your great vet. Line rep, and uh, do we got any returns tonight? Anybody bring any grapevines back? Whoa! <laughs> I didn't say it. Did I hear that again? I'm kind of deaf. Okay, I got it. It's okay. It says right here. Sometimes quickly and sometimes slowly. <laughs> It'll all materialize if you show up. Just remember, if you're shot up, you show up. That's the that's the whole deal. I can't hear you. You know, when you get a little older, you know, it kind of fades out. It comes and goes. But anyway, <laughs> two years, 54 bucks. One year, twenty-eight ninety-seven. Meeting in a print. I keep telling you, you get stuck on stupid, you can pull your car over, read, read a story, and get a change of attitude. And everything, start, you can start your day all over again. Give one to a recovery house. Give, send a, one of these to the Salvation Army. That's right. I'm with you, Rick. I think that's the best place. You gotta work. And you got to show up and you got to work. You don't just sit around. And I, I really appreciate that about the Salvation Army. And uh, you could send one of these to a recovery house, you know, hospitals, whatever. Here. Not giving up. Who wants one? Come get it. Not giving up. Come on. Who ain't giving up? Daniel, get up there. Come on. Come on and get one. Daniel, where's Daniel? All right. 
Same time, same station next week. All right. Come on up. Come on. Come on, Tim. Then you could read the promises and close us out of here, all right? Okay. All right, what books we got? We got a big book and a 12 and 12. One and one, guys, all right? We'll let the first person go ahead and pick which one they'd like, okay? If you can go ahead and help me out like that, there's still no favoritism. There you go. Pick one. There we go. Okay, ending in 1858. 1858. Any winner, winner? Oh. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. There we go. That's all it was meant to happen. There we go. Which one would you like? The big place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Okay. One more? One more. One more. One more. Next week, we'll have some really good stuff. Well, some different stuff. This, this here is some really good stuff. Yes, it is. Um, this one is ending 1886. 1886. <laughs> there we go. Damn. Oh, that's it. Damn, right? All right, thank Jim. you. Jim, Jim's always lucky. There we go. Thank you guys for letting me be of service. All right. Thank you for supporting the raffle each week. I have an announcement. If anybody knew Eddie Webster from the 9416, yep. um, yeah, he passed away last uh, on the 14th. And we're having a memorial for him at the 9416. We'll have potluck on Sunday at noon. Right. So if you would like to show up and uh, remember, you know, Eddie, he was one of my favorite people. Um, yeah, he was a real guy. He was very present and he'd look you in the eye and he'd smile and he'd, and he'd be right there with you. So, and you know what, that was my whole experience with the 9416. They've, they've always been real. I mean, they even let me share when I was wet from the podium. <laughs> I was terrorizing them. Anyway, they were trying to love me. So here we go. These are the promises. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale you have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? No. They, will, um, they are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. After a moment of silence, for those still suffering in and out of these rooms, please join me in the serenity prayer. God, uh, grant me the serenity, me serenity to accept the things I cannot change, change, courage to change the things I can, 
and the wisdom to know the Amen. Come back, it works. Keep coming back. Yeah. Right. Thanks for hanging. Thank you, brother. Right? Yeah. <laughs>